Hello, and welcome to the second episode of our show, Pilot Season, the show where we review pilot episodes of television programs. And I am joined by an illustrious panel. Let's start off, uh, ladies first. We have the one and only Renee. How are you doing, Renee? Fantastic. How are you? Excellent, excellent. So glad that you are here. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> All right. We have the one and only Jen. How are you doing, Jen? Good. Super excited to be here for part two. Really, really, really loving this idea. All right. All right. And of course, we have Tori with all for, with all the glory. Yes. <laughs> and no mercy. Yes. You know, maybe I should maybe I should start rhyming with you guys' names. I, I, I like that. We can over. Renee is a wonderful souffle. Glory <laughs> with all the glory. Jen always wins, and Olaf. Wait, Olaf. Uh, <laughs> nothing rolls off with when you say Olaf. <laughs> uh, and uh, we have Olaf. Hey, hey, it's like uh, excited to be back on this show. Yay. All right, all right, all right. So this episode, we will be reviewing the show Homicide Life on the Street. Uh, Homicide Life on the Street was a one-hour crime drama, which aired on NBC. So this is the NBC night. Uh, it, it, it got its debut on January 31st. 1993 and it was in fact aired after the super bowl that year i don't ask me who played that year uh but it was after the super bowl 1993 the well, uh -huh. I, I know i knew who i know who played in the super bowl there was two teams that played against each other in the super bowl. <laughs> you know what you're correct you are correct you are correct it, it was the bills and the cowboys just just FYI. There you go. One of the uh, the two matchups they had. I think it was, now that I think about it, it was uh, the first time they played each other. I think it was the first time they played, yep. Because it was yeah. it was pretty big. It was pretty big hype. Right. Okay, so that show, or this show, um, is based on a novel, which I recently read, like, maybe two, three months ago, uh, by the great David Simon, A Homicide, A Year in the Killing Streets came out in 1991 and you may know the name david simon because david simon was the creator of another series which we will do the the um pilot later um the wire which also takes place in baltimore the city of baltimore um the show was created by uh paul anzio i believe that's how you pronounce his name and uh, it was executive produced by the great Barry Levinson, who's a fantastic director who directs this pilot. And the showrunner was a showrunner by the name of Tom Fontana. And Tom Fontana is, uh, he uh, worked on the show um, uh, St. Elsewhere. Uh, you guys know his show Oz, which was a very popular show. He's a terrific writer. And, uh, that sh and this show uh, stars a great ensemble star uh, cast, uh, um, Andre Brower, Yaka Koto, da David, was it uh, Daniel Baldwin, my bad, Richard Belzer, Ned Beatty, and Melissa Leo, who uh, went on to win an Oscar uh, later on in her career, as well as others. And, and great uh, Clark Johnson, Clark Johnson, who is one of the um, best TV directors 
around. Uh, he is the man when it comes to uh, television, directing television, and he's directed some films as well. And he's in this as an as an actor. So um, uh, this show was a show that I watched uh, religiously. Uh, it was definitely a show that was different than all the other programs. So I think a good thing to do is before we get started is um, I meant to pull this up because uh, I like to give the landscape of what was going on in television. So these are the other programs that were on. Uh, these are dramas that were on in 1993. Uh, the X-Files was on, NYPD Blue was on, Walker, Texas Ranger uh, <laughs> was on, uh, Lois and Clark, uh, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Uh, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this show, Sequest. Mm -hmm. I remember Sequest. Yeah. Oh yeah, Sequest, I remember that one. Diagnosis, uh -huh. Murder, uh, Law and Order was on and uh okay so then i have a question can sure. i can i ask the question sure detective munch is in yes. here right mm -hmm. yes. so that's he's on he's on uh law and order isn't he isn't that yeah well okay th this is and i was going to get into it but i guess we can get into it now so, <laughs> so richard belzer Who's the actor who played Detective Munch on Law and Order SVU? Yeah, the the, the character originated on on uh, Homicide. Okay. So this is, and then if you if you uh, are a big fan of that show, he mentions it throughout the series how he's he from does. Baltimore. Yeah, he's from Baltimore, and he's referencing being on that show. So, oh, okay, so, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, and um, he was the longest running character because when Homicide went off the air. He went directly on to Law, uh, Law and Order SVU. So he was on air playing Munch like 20-something years or something like that. Oh, wow. So he was on Law and Order SVU, Law and Order, because Homicide and Law and Order did a couple of crossover episodes. Uh, he was on The X-Files uh, playing Munch. Mm -hmm. uh, he was on, I want to say Scrubs or something. Some, uh, one of those comedies. Like I want to say with Scrubs, I should have it pulled up, but uh, he's been on playing Munch on a lot of different shows, and he was on the series finale of The Wire, playing Munch. Yes. He had moved back. Yes. He had moved back yes. to Baltimore mm -hmm. because on on the show he owned a bar at some point on the show, and so he was still running his bar or whatever. But anyway, uh, so um, so let's get into this program homicide life on the street um one thing i would say about this show is it was definitely very different from other shows one is because you had you didn't just have black people on the show as criminals that you actually they got to be the detective like not just the the um side character that didn't matter. You had the main star of the show was Andre Brower, and he was the man. I mean, he was the man on the show. I mean, he was such a great character, and you see it in this pilot. I mean, he was, you know, Andre Brower, who's a fantastic actor. Uh, so he was pulling up, you know, that show, um, that show, as well as Jaffe Cotto, who was the boss, and you also had um, uh, Clark Johnson, who we referenced earlier. Then you had Melissa Leo, who's a, a female detective, who you can tell 
um, you know, she is uh, very capable and she's respected by her peers. And, you know, she's a hard ass, but she's a very well written character. And you see it in the pilot, you know, uh, the pilot of the series. So you did, you, you had things going on in the show you really didn't see on other uh, on other shows. But um, so let's get into the establishing of the characters. And I really love the opening sequence between um, Corsetti and uh, and. Um, uh clark johnson's character who meldrick uh i thought that was so such a great opening uh of them their banter between each other uh this show feels a lot like a play um you know because they they got these really dynamic actors and it's not a lot of pulling out your gun and and running down people and shooting it's a lot of great dialogue so i kind of want to start off with you jen what did you think about just the, the opening the way that they they set up, this is not going to be your regular kind of cop show. Yeah, I, that was, I think, one of the most surprising things about this, which was um, it wasn't, it the, 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 the pilot for Homicide does not feel just like a police procedural. Uh, and I know that, like, we use that term now to describe a lot of the fiction that was police-based even, you know, way back, again, into the 1993 um, but it, it, it doesn't have that same feel to it. It, I think you're right, Kente. It feels much more, um, I, I, I want to use this word, but I'm afraid to kind of use it because I don't want to think that, like, there isn't such a thing as low acting. But this, there is a caliber of acting in this series, which definitely kicks it up a notch. It feels almost Shakespearean in its experience. Like, there are really deep dramatic moments and they hit really hard and it, it to me this was the first series that i had seen that was around the subject matter that felt like they were treating the police like they were not just objects for solving a crime or being a part of something and in this in that very first uh, setup, that's exactly what we get. We get this amazing amount of really brilliantly acted work that sets up this the relationship between those two and kind of the relationship between them and the city at large, which really resonates throughout the rest of the episode. I, I really think that this was some of the most masterful camera work and directing that I have seen in a pilot in forever. And that opening scene sets that stage perfectly. And, you know, one thing I should do real quick before I ask the, the question to the rest of the panel, and which is just real quick, uh, Olaf, were you aware of this show before you watched the pilot? Yes. What about you, Tori? And uh, Renee? Yeah, I love the show. All right, all right. Okay, so we'll go to you, Renee. What, what did you think about that opening sequence between Crochetti and uh, Melvin? Um, I enjoyed it. Just starting out, it's like I, what, my crime shows are my favorite for whatever reason. Um, it's funny though because I'm from Maryland, so it doesn't seem like it's it's in Baltimore if that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> at first. But as you you know you go through the show, then you know certain scenes feel like it but I, I like their um 
interaction at the beginning because you kind of get to see their characters, who they are, you know, at the very beginning. So, um, so yeah, but I, I love this show. So I probably don't have anything bad to say about it. I don't know. We'll see. You know, you know, it's so funny though, being, you spent a lot of time in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Did any of the main characters especially have, did you hear any Baltimore at all? No. <laughs> no, that's a, I, that's I, I literally, I literally was just going to say that, 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 mm-hmm. that, the, that it's the accents that throw you off because it makes you feel like you are someplace else and not yeah. actually in Baltimore. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No one was trying. Other shows, yeah, the other shows that you see, like New York Undercover or whatever, they kind of sound like where they're from, where they are. Uh, but this l- one l- is completely let's, different. Let's talk about the, let's talk about not, we're, I mean, not, we're talking about that series, but just in terms of how they set up the accents to show the actual mm-hmm. show itself. NYPD Blue, which aired the same exact year as this one, mm-hmm. man, everybody sounds like they are from the Bronx or from Brooklyn. Right, yeah. or, like you identify <laughs> it right away. Yeah, so this is different. <laughs> right. I, you know, I think we're, I'm not from New York and uh, I don't think any of us is from New York. Well, Jen is. I am. But I think most people are aware of the New York accent in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. Whereas I don't think a lot of people know the the Baltimore accent. So I think they could they could kind of get away with it at that point. Now the wire, um, which you know the completely same, Baltimore. They they made sure everyone sounded that was such a great yeah. show though. <laughs> that was Baltimore for sure. Everybody, yeah. I mean, they got every kind of person right. You know, from mm-hmm. the criminal to the school teachers to the law enforcement, they all sound like the way they're supposed to sound. Whereas yeah. it, this show, they, I think they were just were they. I think they were more concerned with just getting good actors. The character, yeah. yeah. Which I look, it is what it is, you know. But um, I think as the show went on, they did a better job with, mm-hmm. with well, definitely well, the uh, other people. Go ahead. The, the, that's why I say that it was way more um, Shakespearean in sort of experience altogether, because, you know, when you're doing a, a Shakespeare play, you're not worried about enunciating to a dialect, um, you know, doing Hamlet in any form or function isn't dialect specific, even though, you know, Hamlet is who Hamlet is. It, there, But there is a caliber of acting, which I feel like almost might have lost some of its ground. And especially in that opening scene where it where they needed to pull us in with something that was more dramatic than just the city and the scape of the city. It was actually the dynamic between those two. So I kind of feel like they made the right choice there. Yes, I agree. Uh, what about you, Tori? What did you think about that opening? I think it becomes an iconic cop show uh, entry scene, looking at the body, discussing things over fingerprints. Like it kind of sets the stage to modern day Law and Order, SVU, Criminal Minds, all that kind of stuff. It's it's all the same premise now, it's just different forms. But I think know, they were very groundbreaking on right. how they they went about the camera angles and how they portrayed the inner uh, 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 monologues and in the conversations. Like I think it they did a really good job with it. That was the the one thing too about it is how the characters had like these other conversations that had nothing to do with the crime, 
You know, they're, they're, you know, they're talking about conspiracy theories. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it, it is just, you know, I, I don't think there was a show that did that before Homicide Mm-mm. that, that kind of had, you know, because one of the things I remember they they talked about was when they when police officers or detectives, homicide detectives would watch shows and then they would always see them almost like the way that they would interact with the bodies. And they said, the truth is they're talking about the girl they were with last night and what kind of food they're going to eat and all of that kind of stuff. They, you know, they have these random conversations and then they'll be like, oh yeah, roll the body over so we can get, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so accurate you know? to how it really is though. Like, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. it's morbid. It's a little macabre, but right. Right. but yeah. that's 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 how I mean. That's how it really is because when you think about it, these guys are looking the homicide detectives. They're looking at you know a chopped up body or whatever else. You have to kind of disconnect a little bit from that because it is just a horrible scene. You know, so them talking about hey, what do you think about getting Chinese later or whatever? Yeah, that's just it's like that's. That's how it is. And, and, you know, they depict it. It's like starting it out that way uh, with uh, just the random conversations and stuff. It's like, yeah, uh, that, that's, you know, that's what they do. Yeah. And um, I guess we can go into the uh, the characters individually. And we kind of already mentioned him, so we'll get him out the way. Um, the great Richard Belzer, who plays Munch. And one thing I forgot, because I, I, I adore this show, and it's been a long time since I watched it was I didn't, I forgot how funny the show was mm. uh, at, at times. And this episode was filled with humor. I mean, it, it was, cho- and you know, and Richard Belzer was so funny in that opening theme <laughs> with him. Look at, what, look at what a baby he is in that picture. I know. Right? <laughs> He's such a little guy. <clears throat> oh, and, then, and, and also Richard Harris, who we're gonna cover soon. Uh, he was the, um, in the practice. He was an attorney in the practice, mm. but he's a, uh, um, in this scene, but the Montel Williams bit was hilarious. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and nobody knew but him. <laughs> that, kept saying that, and when he walked out, the, the, like, the, guy, that, the guy that cut his hand, who's Montel Williams? <laughs> Is that the guy that did that to you? No, I don't know who that <laughs> is. <laughs> then, then, then his partner's like, who is this Montel Williams? He's like, oh, it's a guy from Baltimore who has a talk show. And he's like, a guy from Baltimore got a talk show? Tr- <laughs> <laughs> what? How did that happen? <laughs> Hilarious. And then Ned Beatty, who's a fantastic actor as well. Uh, I thought he was excellent, too, on there. And I, I love I, Ned Beatty. And I love the, the, one of the last scenes uh, where he goes into the uh, medical examiner's or the coroner's office, you know, and uh, he sees the uh, the the, the coroner chick, uh, and then he's like blown away that it, it's you know this you know uh, attractive woman's there, and he says uh, he uses mm-hmm. the famous line uh, of all the places you know in the world. <laughs> it's a girl like you. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah. That that, um, that scene. Oh, 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 okay, never mind. It's not for the pilot. <laughs> I was oh. just gonna say that there there are so many people in Homicide Life on the Streets. I don't know how many are actually in the beginning in the actual pilot, but there's this series launched so many other careers uh, or gave them parts to explore from, and I, I love that. I feel like that's like the hallmark of a good series. Oh yeah, when for that sure. Happens. Yeah. Now, this is so funny. I, I said this when I was watching this uh, episode. Uh, give me a second, and I'll, I'll have some visual aids to help 
uh, what I'm going to say. Um, uh, you know, what's so funny about this show is uh, we all know that's Alec Baldwin's brother. And this show is almost like a window because Alec Baldwin looks like him now. Because, uh, you know, at that time he was he was like this thin, you know, actor guy. Yeah. And it's almost like this is Alec Baldwin's future. Uh, right there, his uh, brother, uh, Daniel Baldwin, uh, who, you know, I thought was very good on this show. And I thought his, I thought he was excellent um, in this episode as well. Um, I don't know that I, I don't recall him being great in anything else, but uh, definitely was very good on the show. Um, so uh, what did you guys think about uh, Daniel Baldwin, especially the, the great scene with him and uh, Andre Brower in Looking for the Car? That's one of my oh favorites. My God. <laughs> he, he is a very stereotypical New Yorker. Mm-hmm. He, he does do a very good job of bringing up every stereotype a New Yorker has and putting it in a one character. Right. And, you know, it's 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 nice. It's you know you 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 know what you're getting. <laughs> right. You know right. he's he's very uh he he nailed it. <laughs> like play a Brooklyn guy, got it. Right, but he's in Baltimore, though. I think he's supposed yeah. to be. I think he's supposed to be a native, uh, but he definitely is not even trying. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- th- this this is one of those cases where a lot of TV shows kind of go into the oh, well. If it's a big city and we emulate New York City, nobody will notice. Yeah. <laughs> right. As long as it sounds legit, you know. Like... <laughs> Don't they? Everybody does what they do in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what did you got? Uh, what about you, Olaf? What do you think about the, oh, Daniel Baldwin? It's like uh, with it's like well, you talk about the like the car scene. Oh man, that was hilarious. Uh, it's like you're sitting there. He keeps going, keeps going, going around there. He's, he's like, I smell blood. I'm getting closer. <laughs> he's going, just give up. Go get it. I'm not going back up there. No, I once I get done this side, I'm going. Yeah. How many? How many of us know people like that that would totally keep looking rather than just going yeah. to get another key? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That would probably be me at some point if somebody kept saying, why don't you just go get that? And then I would say, why don't you go get that? And then I would just be stubborn on purpose just to annoy them and just try all the cars no matter what. (laughs) Yeah. That was funny. funny. Yeah. 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 Yeah, After after about two or three cars, I'd be like going, it's like, screw this. I'm going back in. I'm going to get another key. All right. And um, we, we talked about her a little bit, but uh, let's talk about her a little more in depth. Uh, Melissa Leo, who went on to have a great career post-homicide. Uh, like I said, she's an Oscar award winner. Um, and uh, she's she's always very good in everything she's in. Uh, so what do you guys think about her? Uh, and and let, let's start off with you, Jen, because one thing I like about her character is that she's not written as a woman cop. She's just written as a cop, you know, and I like the way that, you know, I love the way that she's written, that she's just one of the the guys, you know, and she's so well respected by her peers as well. What do you think about her character and the way she's depicted in this first episode? Yeah, that's that's what lets you know that uh, this TV show is actually a work of fiction. Yeah, because, yeah. 
the women are whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? I really, I really, I really, really do like her. Um, but she also, to me, she also is kind of like um, when people write uh, women characters really well, you you become gender blind to the character itself, and you're more interested in what they're doing rather than what is happening on the outskirts of it. And that's what I think really stands apart here. Um, and 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 also and also one other thing about this one other thing about her which i also really like i really like the fact that they don't over sexualize her uh, they don't like they don't dress her in clothing that makes me think oh she's a woman first then a cop but there were plenty of other uh cop shows that did that at the time where women were always wearing clothes that were just a little bit tighter than everybody else's just a little bit like it just oh hey guys did you know that she's a woman uh, i just got to remind you she's a woman just had to tell you so that's <laughs> well, well you see, know that was that was, uh, was maxwell smart's problem because they dressed her <laughs> they didn't dress her in a, in a in a attire that made her look like a woman yeah there you know you know one of the issues they had was that um that uh it is funny because i watched the reunion of the cast that came out maybe five years ago four years ago something like that and one thing that the producers were talking about was that people were that um people were com the uh nbc was saying you don't have any handsome or sexy women on the show like that was one of the big issues and the richard belzer joke that uh, that's why they hired me to bring up the sex appeal uh, <laughs> of the <cast. laughs> But um, they didn't want to hire, NBC didn't want to hire Melissa Leo because they felt like she wasn't hot enough. And the producers were like, she's a fantastic actor. And, you know, so. See, see sometimes, sometimes I, I think we think we're not being, um, influenced as much as we actually are but when you see her acting and especially in the pilot where things are a lot more um and especially if you've seen this whole series it, there there is a um there's no naivete about this character she does not come off as being like you know the lesser of all of the guys that are there she doesn't she comes off as being very capable and very responsible and and that's all her that's all her portrayal because there's nothing really different between what she's doing and what everybody else is doing. But you can really feel that that she generates a response from the other characters that create that sense of no way this you know what she is just a really super capable person. Right. You know what I mean? Right. No, I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like she's very relatable to as a woman to another woman because she has flaws and she has feelings and you see them right so she's vulnerable in that way i think that makes her very relatable yeah i de i definitely will agree with that um all right so uh let's get into uh once again uh let's go to the the captain, uh, mm -hmm. Giardello, 
which I thought was a great scene where they they said, where's the Captain Giordello? And they point and it's him uh, (laughs) next to the Italian uh, officer. Mm-hmm. And then he thinks it's him, but he's like, no, I'm Giardello <laughs> right here. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. And I, if I remember correctly, he was the character was written to, for, to be Italian, but they just loved Yafi Koto so much when he mm-hmm. when he came in that they they decided to hire him. And then I believe if I remember correctly, they were going to change his name. And he said, no, leave it Giardello. Like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I thought that was pretty uh, funny. But uh I thought the great Yafi Koto was, was excellent. Uh, he had a, kind of a smaller role than he does as the show goes along in the pilot, but you see his strength. And I like the way that you could tell he's respected by his men, but then also, uh, you know, he's fair. He seems to be fair and even handed and he's not as big of a hard ass as at that time you saw a lot of people that played th- that character. So, um, that type of character. So uh, what did you think, Olaf, about a Giardello character? Well, like, as you were saying, Laura, it's like he, it's like he was, you know, the perfect one for that part, I think, because he had, a, you know, a good presence and you could tell the way it was written. They, you know, he had the respect of his, of his, everybody under his command. And, uh, you know, that he, it's like he did a really good job of, you know, of pulling, of, you know, showing that he was the boss, but he wasn't, uh, you know, he said, I'm the boss, I'm in charge, but I'm not a hard ass. You know, I can be if I need to be, but you, you, you do your job and I won't mess with you too much. So, All right. And uh, just as a side note, Yafi Koto was the first black Bond villain in uh, oh, Live and right. Let Die. Live and Let Die. Yeah. That so. is, oh my gosh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you, Jen? What did you think about Giardello? <laughs> I, I, I truly love this character. And honestly, I feel kind of like this is... I Sorry, I'm going to steal a word from Josh. I'm going to call him iconic. Because he has that sort of iconic uh, leadership position. Um, or I shouldn't say leadership position. Leadership characteristic that just sort of blends with everything without him being a caricature of that which is really hard to pull off that is it's so un it's not easy i mean everyone that i'm sure is here can identify some crime serial where anyone in leadership position becomes kind of like so barky and so over the top that Mm -hmm. like it's almost like they're not even real characters they're just like oh yeah that's just that's just the thing that we do because we're in trouble or whatever. But this character, and especially in the pilot, he is so incredibly powerful in, in, in the sort of attraction between everybody and, and him. And then how he's able to sort of orchestrate everything makes you realize again, kind of like, um, kind of like what I was saying before, it's like we notice things about the character and not necessarily just about the events, right? Like, I feel like that's really super important in this particular series. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. Um, Fantastic character. Um, So we also have to, and I'm trying to give some visual references, please forgive me. 
Okay, so Andre Brower, who plays uh, Pimpleton, uh, who's a um, great character. I thought, and I love how they waited to in introduce his character. I think it's about 20 minutes into it. And they they actually talk about him before they actually show him. So to give you this buildup of, of this person, you know, and let you know he's an outsider because he's from New York, even though they all sound like they're from New York. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, and he doesn't disappoint. And there's something electrifying about Andre Brower that every time he's on screen, you just, he just, it's just awesome. Like when he's not even talking, he does it, you know, he's just this phen phenomenal actor. And he did win, eventually he did win an, an Emmy for his portrayal uh, on the show, which he should have probably won about four, uh, four of them. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed his character. And I, and I love how this character, you know, they really establish what you're going to get from this character. And uh, so we'll start off with you, Renee. Uh, how do you like the uh, Andre Brower uh, Pimbleton character? I love his character. I mean, I like him as an actor in general, but I think because he's not from Baltimore, I guess mm -hmm. being from the Maryland area, it's um, it's interesting seeing people that aren't from there when they try to, you know, make their presence known. But it's just like he just has a presence, and even though he's not from there, which is I get, you know, none of them sound like they are, but you know, it takes place mm -hmm. in Baltimore, so I, you know, like his character from the beginning. I think because of the funny part, like the car, the car scene, trying to put the keys in the car, I thought. Um, I just enjoyed his character from the beginning. So. Right, and remember, his character is supposed to be from New York. So, so uh, unlike the other characters that were supposed to be from Baltimore, he, his character was in fact uh, supposed to be a New Yorker. He had moved to Baltimore, and uh, just as a, a fun fact, uh, later they would introduce that his character is married, and the person that played his wife is actually his actual wife uh, oh, wow. in real life, uh, Amy. Amy Bramson, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, who also was on Law and Order SVU quite a bit as playing an attorney. So uh, I mean, not an attorney, a judge. She's they use her a lot in it, but that's his uh, real life wife, the wife that played. So you know, it wasn't a stretch for her to play his wife on the show. But I don't remember what season it was when they introduced his wife onto the show. But but anyway. Um, uh, what about you, Tori? What do you think about the Pimpleton character, Andre Brower? I think that he, again, kind of goes into an iconic role where there are so many more actors like him after this. It's, he's kind of groundbreaking in that sense. Like Law & Order, uh, NYPD Blue, all those blue bloods all those kind of cop shows they all kind of have a recipe for the different characters and i think that that recipe started in this series mm -hmm. on how to how to like what kind of cops good cop bad cop you know like how the dynamics are going to work out in the workplace on on scene and off scene you know i guess would be hmm. okay and um 
one thing that uh, we haven't got to his partner yet, and uh, or his soon-to-be partner. Uh, but uh, what did you guys think about the way that he got that conviction? Now, um, uh, maybe I should, uh, for those at home, uh, explain what I'm what I'm getting to. Um, one of the things that were that was iconic about the show, if you if you followed it, was the box, and the box is the uh, the interrogation room. Uh, some of the best drama that came on the show was when the detectives would have their have them uh, uh, would uh, <laughs> sit in the box and wait. Yeah, they would. I'm sorry, I, I got a message. Um, mm. When the um, when they would get those uh, people to confess, or you know, potentially confess, and so they opened the show up, kind of getting you ready for, you know, what is going to become, you know, become a staple on the show. And in this scene, he has, you know, um, they have a suspect. This is at near the end of the episode, a suspect who they believe uh, murdered an older guy and so before they go into the interrogate him uh pimpleton who's kind of pushed on uh, a rookie is pushed on to him and we'll get into the rookie who's standing next to him in this uh he tells him that there's he says i want you to observe what's going on in the room what do you see and the uh the rookie can't doesn't know and uh he says the suspect is asleep and he said, one of the rules is, if you if you leave someone in there, you know, he I guess he had been waiting for four hours. If they fall asleep, only guilty men fall asleep. He said, all right, well, what are the, some of the other rules? And he said, well, if the guy doesn't talk a lot, he's guilty. If he talks too much, he's guilty. <laughs> if he, uh, what was the other one? Uh, if you, um, uh, basically... But pretty much, if you do anything in there, your ass is guilty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, so, and he says that what he does is not an interrogation, that he's gonna, he's gonna basically put on the show. And he goes in there and basically matches wit with a nitwit. <laughs> and he, he gets him to confess by, you know, by lying, which is actually not illegal. Uh, you can argue if it's moral or not, but um, but he gets he gets him to, by using trickery to confess, and it becomes a point of contention between uh, Pimpleton and and uh, Bayless, his uh, partner. So, uh, and I thought that was very important. That I I love how they establish kind of how they see how to get convictions and whatnot. And it really lays down what the what the show is. And I want to go to you, Jen. What do you think, as a just as a writer and setting up a show, the importance of showing us this scene in the box in the first episode? So uh, okay, so uh, I know I'm gonna start sounding uh, way outside the box, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's a lot of metaphor that goes on with 
the way that the police look in on the suspect. And a lot of it has to do with, you know, the way that the police are judging mannerisms, like he was saying. Um, and some of it is a little bit more uh, conceptual. The police observe. That's one big aspect. But what the police observe is not necessarily what we are supposed to be observing. Um, and that's also one of the most interesting things I think that happens, especially in this scene, where it's very clear that Pembleton is seeing something that we don't see. Um, and he explains it to his rookie partner. Um, but I feel like also that the it's the looking in on us, whether we're guilty or innocent, that's the role of the police. I mean, that, I'm not saying that for me personally. I'm saying that in life on the streets, that homicide really does set up this idea that that's the way that society, the, the, that this is the way that our world is supposed to be. The police look in on us. And that the scene with the box is kind of, it's not just it's not just like an important part of the setup for this pilot. It's, this is the way that we learn what the police are thinking. So we have the picture of the, whoever the suspect is inside, and we can always usually see that uh, fairly well. And then you have the police who could be talking about anything behind that mirror they, the police that are, I mean, the people that are inside the box, they cannot see the police who are outside. And that's another huge metaphor that this show really cues in on. We just exist outside and then the police get to see into our world in a way that we can't even see into our world. And I feel like that's actually really effective um, to set up in a pilot because it absolutely is going forward what they continue to write about. They continue to write about the way that police uniquely see into these situations, both to solve crimes and to kind of read into actions, into whether there's guilt or innocence. Like, it's actually a big thing. So that I'm sorry if that was too much geek speak, but that's what mm. I love about this. No, no, I, we're, we're, I think we're all on the same page on this one. Um, and I thought that, you know, there's so many great scenes that happen in the box on the show going forward. And especially, um, you know, near the end of this season, it's one of the, if you watch the show, it's one of the, uh, the great or uh, was tragic um, parts of the show. Uh, there's an episode that takes purely in the box. And, That's uh, right. It's called Three Men in a in a Dina, and it's, I mean, that could have opened on Broadway. It's riveting, and you're just like, you know, you're blown away. And uh, um, and they set up the whole Adina situation um, in this pilot. Uh, Bayless, who we have on the screen, the rookie, who gets his first at the end of the season, at the end of the episode. He gets his first uh, child murder. Mm -hmm. And if you watch the show, like that case haunts him through the whole show. Like even when they're able to solve it at some point, uh, spoiler alert, uh, 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 it, it still affects him. Like I think to the very end of the show, it's like 
it's like he never could stop thinking about it, you know, and uh, and which is very well written, you know, that they do that in the pilot and then they keep it as a thread going through. It's just very solid writing. And um, one thing about the Bayless character who I have on the screen uh, for those who are watching with us is Bayless is meant to be us. Like he is our window into this, <coughs> this life, you know, and uh, you know he's kind of wide-eyed, you know, and he's excited, and this is all exciting, and then he's with these all these grizzled uh, police officers who are detectives, who, you know, they've been doing this for so long that it's just they're just kind of glazed, you know, and uh, I think that his character is meant to be us, you know. Um, along for the ride, and I think they did a great job. And Kyle Secker, who plays his, plays him, uh, does a fantastic job. And I, I like the way that they were kind of punting him around, like no one wanted the rookie. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Uh, um, we'll start off with you, Olaf. What'd you think about uh, the rookie in this case uh, as a character? Um, I think he did. That's like I mean, he he portrayed it quite well. Uh, cause in other words, he came from, you know, uh, SWAT and working for the mayor and everybody thought, oh, well, you just, you know, you're, you're just kind of a suck up and that's how you got here. And he's like, no, I was SWAT and all this. So, um, you know, he seems to, he may be a rookie, but you know, he comes in and like on is noticing different things on the, when they take him to that first case, um, and it's like, you know, he dabs right in and, and, you know, doesn't back down from him. Like, and like when you were talking about the, uh, the confession, you know, he confronted, uh, he confronted the other one. It's like the, about that. Cause he said, you did that wrong. You made him, you got him to, uh, it wasn't right. And, and he explained why he did it. Uh, you know, the other one explained why he did that, but you know, he, he does well, and he stands his ground. So I think he—it's like he's gonna be—you know—he's doing all right in the show. Yeah, yeah. And one of the—I love this part where he goes to uh, Munch, and he says, "I, you know, because he's new, right?" And he's like, "Hey, do you know where I can get some coffee?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's on the first floor." It's mm, the machine. Mm. And then he walks away, and then Munch's partner goes, "Hey, there's. Why didn't you just tell him there's coffee in the corner?" He said, "That's our coffee." Right. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh man, it's I cracked an easy thing to say. He's like, he's like, you know, he's like, he, he doesn't deserve our coffee yet, you know. So I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but uh, so there was so much packed into this episode. Uh, there was the the snafu at the um, at the gravesite. I thought it was pretty uh funny. Uh. Yeah. Styrofoam <laughs> coffin. I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. I found that too. I was oh like, God. oh my God, it's so sad. Not That's insane. Pine. That's not even pine. Like, oh. And the guy at the uh at the um the um caretaker for the cemetery. Yeah, the cemetery, thank you. That guy was pretty funny. Yeah, he was pretty funny. <laughs> he was I don't know. And he was so yeah. matter of fact about it. He's like, he's like, if 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 he's not in there, you know, in in that plot, 
maybe, he's like, I maybe, don't know. It's like maybe okay. he's in where this one was supposed to be at. Maybe they got switched. Well, do you know? No, he might be. Well, how many how many bodies do you need? And it's like you know. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was great, and I, I love the uh, the scene with uh, Crochetti and uh, Meldrick and everybody where they're writing the uh, the complaint letter. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he's like, and she's helping him get it right. And he's like, don't send that in. They they take that stuff serious, <laughs> you know. He's not gonna take it as a joke. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny. And he's like, I'm gonna keep it. And then he said. He said that's almost as bad as sexual harassment. He said that's going to be my second letter. <laughs> that's that's next. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. What do you call him? A salami head or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hilarious. And it, it was against his uh, Italian heritage, and it was a, a, a slap in the face. And <laughs> yeah. And then he's and it's funny. He's investigating in his head uh, about um, who killed uh, Abraham Lincoln. And then at a certain point, Meldrick goes, last time I checked, uh, Abraham Lincoln's name ain't on the board. So why are we focusing on who killed Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and also, too, I, I also as, as well, uh, the, uh, the board, which I, you know, which is prominent throughout the show. And I love it as like a, this visual of, you know, and he, they even say it like, um, we know where we're at. How many times in life you know where you're at? You mm -hmm. see the names underneath. You know, you see your names where you're the primary officer uh, detective. And uh, black means you cleared it. Red means that it's an open case. And I and one thing they keep showing through, and they did it throughout this pilot episode, is uh, once an episode, uh, once a um, case is closed, yeah. it's something about turning it from red to black. You know, as an yeah. image, as the imagery, right? Right. And they keep that throughout the show, the idea of, and then even on the show later, there's some that go to black and then go back to red because, you know, something wasn't done. Yeah, right. Yeah. They thought they had it and then, oops, nope, that ain't it. Yeah. So uh, now, Tori, you're, you've been in the DMV area for quite a while, right? Have you, have you spent any time in Baltimore? Yeah, I've spent time in Baltimore. All right. And then Renee, we know you've spent time in Baltimore. Um, yeah. So how do you, other than the actors not clearly not doing Baltimore accents, uh, how do you guys feel about the way that Baltimore is shown in this show? Uh, does it? I mean, I know in the pilot going forward they do more, but um, do you get? Do you? Does it feel Baltimore-y as far as you know? Just the, some of the locations they chose to film and they got and the grid going. There's mm -hmm. a grittiness to Baltimore that I think they really nailed in this whole series. Like, mm -hmm. like and it's Baltimore is not a, it's not a very, I don't want to say, What's... it's not a very iconic <laughs> city. Mm. It's not very well known for a lot of really good, like it is, mm -hmm. but it's also known for its inner street crime more so than anything else and its drug uh yeah. trafficking yeah like there's a lot of there's a lot of uh especially with the wire as we all have, you know mm -hmm. like there's there's been a lot of corruption in the police industry in baltimore and i think they do a lot of justice to that too mm -hmm. show the corruption i like that. all right 
All right, what about you, Renee, as someone who spent time in Baltimore? I think at first it didn't seem like it was Baltimore, like just mm -hmm. looking at some of the scenery, but as they, you know, driving in the cars, um, as they went on, some of the row houses kind of mm -hmm. had that Baltimore feel. So um, I think I think as the, the, this first uh, show went on, you could get the idea that they are in Baltimore. And, but, um, yeah. and you can't do the first episode of a show that starts in Baltimore without having them eating crab. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> of course, I love that part. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, of, of course, they're going to be eating right. And like, it. yeah, officially Indeed. eating it the right way. <laughs> Swinging it out with a mallet. Yeah, uh, and the, the crab went in his eye and stuff. So, yeah, that was. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, um, so yeah, I, I love that. I mean, I, I've, I've talked about, like, I, I have an affinity for Baltimore, and it started with this show. Like, this show showed me um the city because a lot of people think it's the wire but it was actually this show first and then uh, there was a show called the corner then um uh, then the wire but uh but uh this show was the show that made, made me see baltimore and then i have family there and i was able to visit and i love baltimore as a city um and i'm glad because even though i'm from l.a you do get tired of l.a chicago new york as always the setting uh even dc to a certain degree uh so just to show us something different you know baltimore i think is great i'm trying to think what other cities have been depicted as uh cop dramas or miami you know, miami uh honolulu. You forgot where, honolulu. oh yeah honolulu what about what's that picket fences where was that at the commission fargo Fargo. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess Boston has been, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Boston was uh, Hill Street Blues. Right. right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So. And Blue but, Bloods, right? Right. So, so I, that's why it was so cool. Like, oh, this is different. I this ain't just your normal run of the mill place. But um, okay. So, before we uh, say goodbye to this episode, let's talk about the acting in the show i thought i mean then there everybody came on screen was pretty incredible uh was there any standout uh moments for you guys in this episode as far as with the acting and uh because the, I mean, the dialogue was you know out of this world the dialogue was was great i forget was, that i forget his name but the guy with the mustache the italian looking one right yeah he was he was walking down in the graveyard and he was like I have my cases have gone to, to so many of these graves, like, and it just like made me think about like how many times he has to visit a graveyard in his career. Like, that's insane. Like, he's a great for, character. Yeah. yeah, he's a great character. Like, he's swarmy and kind of a slime ball, but you still like him, you know. <laughs> oh, like a likable slime ball, yeah. Yeah, likable slime ball. Oh, yeah. wait, wait, wait. I guess I'll put mine in, and then I'll let you guys say a moment. My one of my favorite moments of this episode, and there's so many great episodes, moments like the car scene and all that, is when when uh, Crosetti and uh, Munch, and um, I forgot who the third one was. Uh, oh, um, Meldrick were hanging out late at night, and it was raining, oh, and yeah. a guy, and they realized this guy mm -hmm. was tr trying to was going to mug them. 
but of course oh, they, yeah. didn't know they, were <laughs> they didn't know they were cops. So, <laughs> and, then, and then, uh, which is funny if they let him get to the point with the mugging, that would have been even funnier. And then at a certain point, they were like, well, who wants to do this? And then they, they sent Munch, and Munch pulls out his badge and said, go find someone else to mug with Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> that was Hilarious. a good one, yeah. like, How often does that happen? <laughs> Hilarious. You know, he almost made the big mistake. Uh, <laughs> but I, I thought that was a great scene. Anybody, any other scenes that stood out for you guys? I had, uh, I I still like the ones like with Munch in the hospital with the guy going. It's like you know, I'm not, I'm not Montel Williams. Yeah, <laughs> I still, I like that. That's funny. Yeah, that's a good one. What I, about I, you? I, I, I like it when Cassetti uh, says uh, about Pembleton um, when he says uh, that he's like Gary Cooper. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you know why I like that. I, I, that? I like it because I actually think that he's right. Mm-hmm. And and the way that he the way that he just sort of passed it off was, in fact, didn't he even mention something about New York City at that point? Didn't he even yeah. say, I, I can't remember the exact line. I'm so sorry, but I, I feel like he even I feel like he it, it, sort of in that one observation and line, trying for himself to maybe look a little bit cooler yeah. than he was. He actually made Pembleton look really super cool. Yeah. 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 Which I I liked. I thought that was great. And what about you, Renee? Was there any moments that stood out for you? Uh, well, I think there's several. I think, but I like keep thinking about the board when they're writing the names or changing the color of the names. Just it seemed like that part seems like kind of like they're competing with each other to mm-hmm. see. You know, I want my name known. Or I want to be the first to solve it or whatever. But it's also kind of like if you think of like in sales. Mm-hmm. I have to close my cases, or you know, I get in trouble. Yeah. It's like a couple different things that they're battling. Pimbleton mm-hmm. um, referred to which is that. interesting, huh? Pimbleton referred to it as himself as a salesman, and he yeah. said he's going to sell you something that you don't want. <laughs> you- right. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting that they, you know, they keep showing it the way that they do, and they, you know, keep changing uh, the names on the board or how they how they're displayed on the board, but that you'll always go back to that or you'll you know you hope that one of the names changes i guess while you're watching it you know can can we just talk real briefly before we leave about i I mentioned this in the very beginning but i didn't say it as specifically as i wanted to right the 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 directorial style of this series was definitely really different you can feel it in the in the pilot too but the thing that makes this set it apart is what a million cop dramas and a million other shows copied afterwards which is that super jump cut Mm -hmm. uh use of film um uh, well use of editing but the film itself was um it was uh it was it was a handheld i think i'm I'm trying to remember exactly what the specifics were but it, it was a handheld camera and what it allowed the principal photography team to do, all the cinematographers, is walk around the actual actors, and it made that kind of iconic shaky cam feeling that we get when we watch shows where the action is like right in our face all the time. And that was the first time that I think American audiences had been presented with that particular type of style on such a prolonged 
uh, sense of, uh, well, prolonged in terms of it never changed, right? It was, they didn't use static cams very often. Sometimes they used them, um, like there's a couple times when they're looking at the box where you can tell that things are a lot more static. And that actually kind of feels right because the world is really steady and solid when they're talking in their own space. So the film doesn't jump around. We don't need to feel like the characters are sort of flitting in and out of the city or in their own little worlds. They're solidly where they belong. And that, and so we kind of get a feeling of not just where the characters are supposed to be in terms of where they are in the city, but also where they are in terms of the story. If there's a lot of action going on, the camera moves a lot faster, but it's moving faster around the characters, not around the the setting, right? So, and in, in a weird way, that also lets the city be more involved with the characters because the cameras are no longer just held on, you know, in place on a, a static platform. Right. Does that make sense? Do you know what I'm trying to say when I say that? No, it makes perfect sense. No, yeah, you're right. I, I, I always thought that that was so super interesting because this, again, this series, everyone <laughs> copied it after this series because it was so popular, but it really gave you the feeling of like, wow, we are really in the thick of everything because we're like right on the streets with these people. You know, it, it was definitely different. I really have to give a lot of credit to uh, both the principal photographers and the directors for really coming up with this idea. It was good. Oh, and as a side note too, a lot of people don't know. The, the show is called Homicide Life on the Street. The reason why it's called that is a movie came out around the same time, maybe a year before, that takes place in Baltimore called Homicide. It has nothing to do with any of this. It was a David Mamet, David Mamet uh, uh, movie called Homicide. And it was just called Homicide. So, so there wouldn't be any kind of confusion that, you know, I always thought that that, for a long time, I thought that had something to do with, you know, um, the show, but um, mm. it, it really has nothing to do with it, but it does take place in Baltimore. And it, it, and it has a kind of a similar feeling to it, but uh, it has nothing to do with it. And that's the reason why they added the life on the street part, because uh, they didn't want to use a year in the killing streets, uh, you know, uh, so they came up with life on the street so that it can differentiate itself between it. Um, and then another fun fact, and then I'll get into uh, how you guys thought the show held up watching it, is... Um, this is a kind of a funny story. So I can't remember what season they were shooting Homicide. But um, uh, Clark Johnson, who plays Meldrick Lewis, the other black guy on the show, and as well as um, uh, Richard Belzer, who plays Munch, they were, on, they were uh, on location shooting. And they were sitting around waiting for, you know, they're, you know, they're shooting a crime scene. And they're, all, they're waiting for the cameras to be moved or something. And all of a sudden, a man comes running out of the alley and runs onto the set and sees all the cops on the show and puts his hands up and and uh, gives up to them. <laughs> and what happened was they were being chased. This guy was being chased by officers, and he thought he had run into a bunch of real police officers. 
so he had actually this man this is a true story the man ends up um the man ends up giving up to uh richard belzer <laughs> and then when the real cops came behind and he realized he was on the set the guy was obviously quite upset that you know that that happened so, so yeah, he just kind of dropped his head stomped his foot and went damn <laughs> right so oh my god so, yeah, funny story. I remember when that happened, uh, and it was written about a lot in the paper. So we will start off with you, Renee. How do you think the show's held up uh, now, watching the pilot after all these years? Oh, it holds. It holds up. It's one of my favorites. So um, I think those type of shows I can always enjoy, no matter when it is, because the the stories are real. I mean, I'm sure we all know some somebody that. That we can relate to somebody in that um, in in story, um, you know, either how they act or what they're going through while they're solving these cases. So I think um, this show will always hold up for me. All right. Uh, what about you, Olaf? How do you think it, the show held up? I think it holds up. I mean, you know, it's. I said I didn't watch it. You know, uh, like all the time. I watched it some here and there, but uh, I think it would hold up. It's, it still holds up good. All right. And uh, what about you, Tori? I think that it uh, actually, it was groundbreaking in a lot of different ways. Like what Jim was saying, uh, the the characters, there were just a lot of groundbreaking new ways of filming and editing. And I think that was great. So I think that it paved the way for you know, Law and Order SVU and Criminal Minds and NCIS and all that stuff too. All right. And what about you, Jim? Um, I think this show has held up remarkably well. Again, yes, the groundbreaking work was amazing. And uh, it's kind of odd sometimes because shooting film is a really different experience um, than today's version of a lot of time series shooting using uh, video that is then sometimes washed with filters to kind of look like film, but it's still video. Um, it's just a different, or digital, it's just a different experience. I feel like this show held up so well though, not because of any of that, but because someone really loved tenderly the writing in this series like someone babied this so much it be you can feel the passion of the writing underneath it in terms of the characters and just the way that the that the the stories themselves don't eclipse who the characters are and that feels essential because oftentimes in most of the police dramas before you knew what happened but you might not know a lot about why it happened or who the people were that were really on the streets and it just it it has held up in a way that few i think police procedural dramas have there's a couple but this one definitely kind of set the bar really high yes 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 i 100 percent agree um and i obviously believe it is held up very well it was so it was so good to watch it it made me want to re-watch the whole series again i might just do that but i feel like doing this show i'm going to feel that way a lot where i'm going to want to watch uh, the series again or some of these i might be like no, I'm good, but you know, <laughs> so, but um, 
the show lasted for seven seasons. Um, the show never really got huge ratings after like the first season, but NBC, to their credit, kept the show on. And uh, they actually did something that I thought was pretty cool after the show was uh, eventually um, went off the air. Um, a couple of years later, they gave him a movie, a homicide movie, which was very good, by the way. Uh, I think it was maybe two years later, and they brought back a, lo a lot of the characters who had left the show, you know, and um, it was really good, the uh, homicide movie they did. So, uh, but uh, I thought it was a great show, and I'm glad that we were able to review it. So, um, before we say goodbye, um, I want to say that uh, next week uh, we will be covering Gilligan's Island and Lost, so look forward to that. We start off with the ladies. We'll go off with. We'll just start off with you, Tori. How can we get you? Social media and all that good stuff. On social media, you can get me uh, Tori Rush on Instagram. It's at Rush Tori, and you can get me on my podcast every Friday night on the Infectious Geek. Uh, tune into my Facebook page or my YouTube channel, and you can see that every week and also i do another podcast with my friend des and we talk about all things pot related so it's a podcast yeah. <laughs> and uh yeah that's been fun too so tune in for that all right all right all right and renee how can we get you in social media and all that good stuff uh, you can catch me on instagram rd campbell art or my pencil writes for uh any writing or editing needs you have. So that's me. Thank you. All right. And Jen, how can we get to you? You can find me at my website, moviesandmeals.com, and you can join me for my podcast on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Uh, we do the movie Potluck, where our guests enjoy a smorgasbord of different theme ideas, and we all bring food to share. Oh, sounds really cool. Hmm. And uh, Olaf, how can we get you? Well, you can follow me on Facebook at Olaf Barbosa, but uh, as I say, it's like, you know, don't follow too close because I do get nervous and I do have an itchy trigger figure. Ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. All right. And you can get me at Kensei F. On Twitter, Kente Ferguson, that's F E R G E R S O N, on Instagram. And of course, the website is theindyradio.com. That's the I N D Y radio.com. All right. With that said, you guys have a great rest of your week and God bless you guys. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Bye.